We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Mile High Huddle Podcast with your football priests, Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Remember, Broncos country is not a geographic location. It's a state of being. Welcome in, everybody. This is the Gut Reaction episode of the Mile High Huddle podcast. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me is Mr. Producer and co-host, when you need him, extraordinaire, Scott Kennedy. Zach will be here with us here in just a few minutes. He was having some technical difficulties and we we're like, hey, we got to let's just go on. You jump on when we get it figured out. But uh, Scott, the the Broncos come up short. This is a game that by all rights, they sh- they had no business even having a chance to win. And yet they did in the closing minutes. Very Tebow-esque how some of these games uh, have played out. But Dude, makes sense for me that that final series in the red zone where Russ just says, ah, what the heck? Here goes nothing on a third down. If he throws it away, they at least get one more opportunity. What was your gut reaction? My gut reaction on that play was, oh, my God, don't get sacked. Because he was under heavy pressure. It's like he did a great job to avoid the sack. And when he stood up and let that thing fly, I'm like, oh, my God, it's a touchdown. There's going to be somebody wide open in the end zone after he avoided that pressure. And I saw he threw it into tight coverage and it got picked off. Tight play. It was a 50-50 ball. My gut reaction is you can't keep playing with fire over and over and over and over and over again. Eventually, it's going to go the other way. We have talked about all week how eventually the, the offense is going to have to step up and win a game for you. And they didn't quite do it. They took too long to get started in this game. And by the time they got things rolling, it was too late. And the C.J. Stroud and the Houston Texans are a good football team. They could not afford to go on the road and start this slowly and make mistakes along the way and not win. But again, hell of a football game, heck of a finish. And no, they're not out of it. It was close to a playoff game. I, I've got the, I, I have with this loss, I had the Denver Broncos finishing 10 and seven. The Detroit Lions look beatable, y'all. They, they look beatable. They went up 21-0 in six minutes on the New Orleans Saints and hung on by the skin of their teeth. Their defense is playing horribly. It ain't over yet. It ain't over at 6-6. Six and six. It's true, man. I mean, never forget, this. again, this season has so many similar threads to just how things unfolded in 2011, but with Tebow and all that. But if you guys remember, the Broncos literally went on that win streak with Tebow lost three straight, including the last game to division rival 
the Kansas City Chiefs and backed into an AFC crown. Now, they're not going to back into an AFC crown. The Chiefs are – that's not this Chiefs, right? These Chiefs are uh, defending Super Bowl champs. But you never know how things unfold mathematically around the AFC. Things change as the tide shifts in December going down the stretch. Chris, my brother, these Super Chats, they are symbolic. Every single gut reaction to however many points the Broncos put on the board, he says, heartbreaking. Chris, we love you. Thank you, bro. Keep your chin up. It ain't over yet, but – Scott, I got to echo something you said. This was a game that you could not afford to start slow. And by starting slow, hey, you don't score on either of your first two possessions. But literally to go until your last possession of the first half before you even get any points on the board. Meanwhile, C.J. Stroud and company are putting points on, on their board. That was not a recipe uh, for success. And this was supposed to be, Scott, against a Houston Texans defense, especially at their passing defense. That was gettable. Casey, thank you, bro. Appreciate the super jumping in. He says, I'm heartbroken. This was a massive game. Proud of the battle, but damn, we feel you, big dog. Scott, so true that you keep playing with fire and you keep cutting it this close to the margins. A little thing like Jonathan Cooper not falling on that strip sack from Jaquan McMillian ends up being a turning point, despite McMillian making a, an amazing play to strip uh, C.J. Stroud. He's such a playmaker. I mean, McMillian's a guy, McMillian, I'm going to say McMillian his whole life. Let's just call him McMillian because he's worth a mil million bucks when a million bucks used to mean something. Uh, he's uh, he's worth every penny. What a playmaker he is. Uh, again, you know, as you're, as you're watching this game, the flow of this game, you look up and you see it's like 200 yards to 20. And thank you, Casey. Heartbroken. Yet the defense has been able to stand up when it mattered to keep this game close as you started the game, as you started the show, in a game where you had no rights even being in it, yet this team keeps fighting and fighting and fighting. Did they win it? No, they didn't. And you're heartbroken because you believe. You believe now. It's a, it's a totally different team. With the, the Denver Broncos with the ball, two minutes left, inside Houston territory, you you won it. You knew you had it. You were going to win it. You've been winning those. Unfortunately, if you're winning 80% of those, that means you're losing one every four, one every five. This was it. This was that one. So you've they've got to be able to put four quarters together on offense because you aren't you aren't going to be able to make the run you need to get into the playoffs, and you won't be able to win in the playoffs consistently in order to beat good teams. If you're falling behind like this, or if you can't put teams away, if you are so inconsistent on offense, non-existent in the first half pretty good in the second half that's not good enough over the stretch of the rest of this season not to beat playoff caliber opponents it sure ain't rip die thank you for the super big dog he says i want to be mad but i can't they kept fighting they did and that's one thing we got to hand the, <clears throat> these the, these broncos <clears throat> pardon me is they they battle till the bitter end chad beach on facebook good to see you big dog says sean payton isn't an offensive guru his play calls are basic no creativity especially that close to the end zone at the end and you won't win throwing that many picks in the game. I'm bummed. It's okay to be bummed. Um, you know, I think a big part of this, and Robert, thank you, brother. He says, so close. That's a good team. Love from Nevada. Thank you, guys. One thing to keep in mind is, uh, yes, Scott, you know, I'm not a big believer in coincidence, as everybody knows. The Broncos' offensive line went over this five-game winning streak. They went from being surprisingly apt in pass protection to can't block a freaking – uh, wet paper towel. I mean, Russ was under constant duress. And as a play caller, if you're Sean Payton, it's really, really difficult 
uh, to get things cooking and try and get your unit into a flow. When every time, literally, you drop back to pass, especially coming off the right tackle and and Will Henderson, my gosh, he made Mike McGlinchey look like a fool today. Uh, <laughs> Russell Wilson is literally hitting the back of his foot, and he has to drop his eyes. He has to get out of there. That happened often in this particular game, Scott. And it's just one of those things where they go, okay, but Russ, he threw three picks. Yes, he did throw three picks, but he was under constant duress in this game. And that doesn't excuse him, especially from that first one. His, and that, his, and that's his, what happens when you're not one. successful. His, oh, sorry. I thought you were his, his, Real quick. His first two interceptions, uh, you know, the first one was a, a, a tip pass. The second one was just an underthrown ball over the middle. He ended up bouncing back from that and completing a beauty on that one to Sutton on a, on the next possession. But, and then that last one, that's the one Scott that unfortunately Russ on third down with still time left on the clock. That's the inexcusable one. Yeah. I, I, I truly feel like he had it. I felt like he had it. You know, I mean, he, I'm not seeing what he's seeing exactly, of course, but when you escape that, how many times have you seen when you're playing a, a good quarterback and you think you've got him like, Oh man, he's sacked and he shrugs it off. And then he just throws the dagger. That's what I felt like was happening, and he probably felt that was happening in the play too. Uh, it just it didn't work out that way, you know. I've seen some some comments in here. Russ is trash. Three interceptions. Blah blah blah. Man, the dude's only thrown four all season. You know, he just doubled it. it you know, basically his interception total wasn't his day today. It happens. You can yeah. get away with those. Patrick Patrick Mahomes is probably going to get away with not being his day against the Denver Broncos because they didn't lose to the Washington Commanders. They didn't lose to the Las Vegas Raiders. It hurts when you drop those early games. Then you've got to make up for it. This is one that at the beginning of the season, you probably thought, okay, this looks like a win on paper. This isn't the same team at the beginning of the season. This Houston Texans team is good. They are a good team. Are they an AFC power? Not yet, but they are a good team. They are a legitimate playoff team. And you, you came up short. That's okay. You just don't have any room for error after that. Nosh coming in. Hey, brothers, brutal loss. The balls that have bounced our way didn't today. Nose, right on the nose, buddy. But the team fought hard, especially the defense. Judy was running open a lot. They need to look at him more. Hopefully, Russ will maintain his confidence. We need him. Chad. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Indeed. I mean, that's the thing is I'm seeing a lot of a lot of comments in the chat, MF and Russ. <laughs> and here's the thing. Uh, Russ was the guy coming through with those plays in the clutch in those in the five game winning streak. And I don't remember anyone MF and him then. So try and we're all disappointed, but try and maintain a little bit of balance in, in this thing. Again, inexcusable that pick. But like Scott said, we don't know what he's seeing. Um, he was being pressured all day long. He wished he had that one back, that's for sure. But I still see the silver lining in this because as I as I wrote in an article for MHH this morning before the game, you know, Russell Wilson was on pace to you guys remember the no mistake Jake Plummer of 2005? That's what the national media started calling him because he went eight games without throwing a pick. They were calling him no mistake Jake. That was the season they went all the way to the AFC title game, laid an egg to the Steelers, and the rest is history. Jay Cutler comes in, blah, blah, blah. But Russell Wilson was six games to this was his opportunity to make it scott six games six straight games which was the longest active streak for a broncos quarterback since Plummer did that in 05 he was playing really really well uh, with the ball as far as protecting it making good decisions but today is when all those laws of average the law of averages scott came crashing down around his ears and uh you know, you don't win football games when you lose the the turnover margin. Is it three to zero? I I don't think we quite got one if, for the Broncos, so that streak snapped as well. But Naj, love you, big dog. Keep your chin up. Appreciate you so much, my friend. Well, yeah, and you mentioned the the pressure, Naj. Thank you again, brother. Appreciate the uh, the support and happy to be here today. Uh, you mentioned the pressure on that. How does that pressure happen? Well, one when you, you're not running the ball effectively. They've got a pretty good run defense, and they can force you to be one-dimensional and, and obvious, like they like to call it, third and long. you got a problem. Uh, and Lawrence Rivera on Facebook mentioned, you know, the, the Broncos still can't run a screenplay. How do I slow down a rush? I run the ball, and I run screenplays. Yep. I don't know that they're ever going to be a good screen team with this personnel. They've gotten better because they've drilled it and drilled it and drilled it and drilled it, but I don't know that they're ever going to be good because of the offensive line personnel. These guys just aren't necessarily mobile enough. It's just not going to be in their game. They should be able to run the ball. Yep. You know, and if you're not running the ball and you're becoming obvious and you've got a liability in pass pro, you're going to struggle. You you are going to struggle out there. So running the game, um, want to hit uh, Phil, we see you there. I want to get Anthony's here real quick while I'm on this line about running the ball. Because Anthony appreciates you coming on on uh, YouTube with a super chat. He says, I felt once again that the run game was forgotten in the Renzo in that final possession. That wasn't forgotten. It just wasn't an option, Anthony. With the no time, time on the clock and the and the uh, and the, the the timeouts being gone, a sack was as good as an end. A running play, a running play and tackle and not score, and you, you, you're done. You've got one timeout that you ended up having to use. You can't afford to burn it on a running play that's going to not score. Once you are in first and goal, you're only option was to throw the ball an incompletion or a touchdown that was it those were your only options or an interception but anything that was going to stop the clock you couldn't you couldn't run the ball in the red zone you, you didn't have enough time now you might say the clock management getting down into there wasn't good enough and that's why you didn't have enough time to run the ball okay i'm listening 
But I like my chances in a game like that. I think I've done a good job of managing the clock. If I'm Sean Payton and I've got first and goal and time to run four plays, I'll, I'll take that after the way that game had developed. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, and here's the other thing. This was something Sean Payton was talking about earlier this week. The Broncos suck at running the ball in the red zone, and it was a point of emphasis. They're trying to improve that, but knowing how badly they suck, running the ball inside the 20s with the chips down in that particular moment uh, and literally time gone, uh, no timeouts. You couldn't afford to lean into a vulnerability in hopes of winning the game is the other thing to keep in mind here. Patriot text, my dog, what's going on? Says, for what we pay Russ, his play is unacceptable. He was outplayed by a rookie even during the streak. I thought Denver won in spite of Russ. Hashtag MHH for life. Thank you, buddy. And hashtag no playoffs again. Well, look, I would tell you to chin up a little bit, first of all, on the whole playoffs thing. Um, this definitely hurts. This could end up being a dagger in the final analysis, but there's still, guys, a lot of football left to be played. So don't start writing uh, your team off quite yet. But um, great quarterbacks who devolve into good quarterbacks like Russ in his age 35 season. Scott, sometimes they're not going to come through. Sometimes they're going to make mistakes. Uh, sometimes you're going to shake your head. It's it's weird because, Scott, on one hand, I do recognize as a football analyst who who gets paid to do what I do that the offense over that five-game winning streak wasn't perfectly satisfactory. There were a lot of issues, but mm -hmm. their calling card, and this is where we get back into the phrase you used early in the show, which I love for this particular uh, instance, is when you're playing with fire all the time and, and you're cutting it this close to the quick, uh, it, it will eventually come back to bite you. And the one thing you have to credit Russ on is through this season, when the chips have been down, that's when he saves his best play. That's when he answers the bell. And guys around him rise. He's he's able to help elevate everyone else, including Cortland Sutton. It looked, Scott, like that's what was going to happen again today. Basically three quarters of clunker from the offense, and yet somehow they come through with scoring drives in the right moments, and they get a chance. I mean, I tweeted this, and then I'm going to serve this back to you. I tweeted this when the Broncos got the ball back for the last time. I said, look, with how bad this team has played offensively today, the Broncos literally can't ask for anything more than an opportunity right now to drive down uh, on a, on one last possession, running a four-minute offense, and win the game. They came this close, close but no cigar. And uh, and Patriot Techs, I got bad news for you. His extension hasn't kicked in yet. What you're paying, Russ, doesn't really start till next year. Everybody's kind of judging him on his new contract. His new contract hadn't started yet, dude. He's only on about 35, I say only, only about 35 million. It jumps up to in the 50s. His big money has not kicked in yet. So what you're paying, Russ, he's earning it. Didn't last year. I, we'll, we don't have to talk about that. But this year, pretty much. And as far as being outplayed by a rookie quarterback, there might be three quarterbacks in the NFL that can say they're playing better than C.J. Stroud right now. That's not necessarily a bad thing. C.J. Stroud is having one of the best rookie campaigns in the history of this game. Um, that's a credit to him. That's not necessarily a knock on Russell Wilson. Um, Phil McLaughlin coming in saying, hello, Chad and Deacon Scott. Thank you for the stars on Facebook, buddy. I still believe the problem with playing with fire like that isn't that you lost this game. It's that you dug yourself in such a hole. It's the one in five. It's not that you lost on the road to them. It's the one in five. That's what's hurting. 
Offensive grade, C. Defense, B+. Was not thrilled with secondary the first three quarters. O-line sucked for three quarters. Hashtag Buckham. Hashtag Go Broncos. Hashtag MHH for life. Now, my question for you, Chad, how does Nico Collins have 200 yards receiving in this game? Dude, it was a lot of guys running wide open type stuff, especially in the first half. Um, when Tank Dell went out, some of that explosivity uh, was kind of diminished, but there was, and I don't know, I guess it's the only way to describe it is a lot of busted coverages, like where guys are just the best players, the best receivers of Houston, literally running wide open. Um, it's really inexplicable. This was one of those games where it's like, hold on, are we having, uh, is, is it PJ Locke back there or Deller and Turner yell? Because this is kind of what was happening before uh, anytime Justin Simmons was off or, or Kareem uh, Jackson was off the field and Turner yell was on, you'd see these miscues and busted plays and you're going, what the heck? And it was a lot of that. I mean, not just not to take away from the Texans because those receivers, there were plenty of plays too, where they were just getting open and, and Stroud was finding them. But you know, you can't look past the quality of this young quarterback. This is the exception that proves the rule. I have been one of those guys that was blindly like, oh, Ohio State quarterback in the NFL. Miss me on that. It really makes me happy, Scott, to see a Ohio State quarterback finally making hay in the NFL. It sucks that it cost the Broncos today, but that is a very good quarterback, and those receivers have a great chemistry with him. So the Broncos pick, Scott, literally the worst possible day to have problems with their communication and execution. Yeah, he may come back down to earth one day and, you know, could have the, the sophomore slump, so to speak. My God, he's playing really well right now, and you you saw it. He, he's good. I mean, he's this isn't this is actually one of his worst games. <laughs> yeah, look, for what it's worth, this this cat CJ Stroud finished 16 to 27, 274 yards and a touchdown with a rating of 106. Russ threw it only one time less than Stroud. He went 15 of 26 for just 186, a touchdown and the three picks for a QB rating of 53.2, which is obviously the worst he's had in many, many moons. But, you know, this was also, Scott, George, thank you, bro. This was a game the Broncos had a chance. I wouldn't say this is one they should have they should have won, but this was a game that they had no business winning, and yet they were this close. But, Scott, there was a little bit, you know, every game has its little turning point. Some end up being like the, the final turning point. Others kind of sway momentum one way or another. And it was a momentum swinger on a uh, – fourth down try when Alex Singleton decides to uh, unnecessary roughness. Was it fourth? I'm pretty sure because they were going for it on fourth, totally disrespecting the Broncos uh, offense. Houston goes for it well into Bronco territory and on a, bl a play that was blown dead, Scott, because of a false start of the Texans. This is in the Broncos red zone. Alex Singleton decides to go crazy, man, and goes through the A-gap completely untouched. And as the whistle's being blown, he kind of makes a little bit of contact and slightly bumps head with C.J. Stroud. And C.J. Stroud, of course, bows up, and they start John like this. It was a play that was literally going to put them back five yards. They were about to kick a field goal because of it. And Alex Singleton's lack of poise, they get a new set of downs. They're right there. They score literally right away. So it was either you could look at it one of two ways. It was either a four-point swing uh, or it was a seven-point swing. Either way, little lapses like that end up being turning points that affect 
because if that didn't happen, if he doesn't do that, they get that false start, Scott, and they kick a field goal. Guess what? You only need a field goal to tie it at the end, and and you know might have been a different series the way things shook out. It's one of those plays where it doesn't matter if you agree with it or not. You don't touch the quarterback in the pocket after the play anywhere near the face. Well, he started it. How'd that work for you when you were a child? Well, he started it. <laughs> you know, I mean, come on. Yeah. And that's, like you said, poise, composure, experience. Singleton knows better on that. Um, again, you just, you can't be baited into something like that when they've got nothing to lose. They're not going to throw a flag on him. If I get a flag on you, good for me. That's a, that's a soccer move. I'm going to bait you into fouling me and I'm going to take the PK. I mean, that's, you got you to gotta know better. It's an emotional game. I get it. Casey coming in, says every star has a bad game. I'm not blaming Russ. He still took massive shots to keep plays drives alive. Denver now has an opportunity to show us they can bounce back after a loss while being in the playoff race. Yeah, and, and I think, again, I think this is a good opportunity. This was a good team. It was just, do I dare say, Chad, this game was a microcosm of the season? With the slow start coming up short in the end, is that how this season's going to play out? Where you you just miss it at the very end, and you're like, "Damn it! If only we didn't start so slow, we'd be right there." And the playoffs were dangerous. Nobody wants to play us right now. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah. No, it's it was actually, that's a good way to put it. You're being quite poetic today, Scott, and I'm loving it. Um, I'll give, you know, I, I actually echo Casey here pretty much uh, almost entirely. I was very impressed. You see a lot of quarterbacks, whether they're veterans or young, uh, they throw a, a pick over the middle like that uh, on Russ's second interception, right over the middle, trying to hit Sutton. And he just threw it a little bit under and was a little bit too staring down the receiver and, and got jumped. To come back on the very next possession, Scott, and just the, almost the exact same play, at least the route that, Sutton was running and drop it right in. I mean, like, I mean, even the the broadcasters they they hit the nail on the head. Perfectly thrown ball over the middle. Boom! Big momentum play. They're they're flying down the field, and it takes a short memory. It takes cashews to quote Zach uh, to even have the the wherewithal to contemplate making that throw after you just got picked off making the same one. You know, it's a it's a sketchy it's a sketchy area of the field to target. Period. Especially if there's any congestion at all. Uh, and so, look, Russ can be on. Russ can be uh, a huge boon and benefit. I mean, a lot of his scrambles and picking up the yardage on a third down, on a fourth down, I mean, that stuff is unique to Russ in terms of what kind of quarterback play we've seen in Denver post Peyton Manning. And I appreciate it, but today it was really that – I mean, the Broncos could, Scott, have lived with the two picks. One was a tip pass, by the way, right? The first pick where he was trying to hit Judy on the out – Anderson got his pinky on it and it dropped the ball right into the cornerback's arms. Easy. That was no, no fault really of anyone other than a defender making a great play. The second one, that was the one over the middle where you're like, come on, Russ, but oh, well, the last one, that was the one that is just like, come on, dude, 
we do expect more from you on that front. Now, am I going to MF uh, Russ because he made a play that in the clutch like that that I would say Scott was inexcusable? No. You, this is football. You win some, you lose some. Anyone who was expecting this to be the 2012 Broncos that after a terrible start, they win 11 in a row and go to the playoffs. I mean, that's the exception. Those exceptions are rare. They're historical. They're on the NFL, in the NFL annals for a reason. Uh, but this season is not over, guys. This season is not over. You can tell, Scott, this team is still playing with some swagger, some intensity. But it will be interesting to see how a loss like this affects them on this next road game uh, in uh, week 14. Yeah, and Miguel says, because I want to follow up with uh, with the last comment. Thank you for the super chat. All y'all, he says, sup, fellas, maybe this L was needed to get back on track for the rest of the season. You know, going back to bouncing back, this was the first of three straight road games. That's a little scary when you're looking at the at the schedule. Had a chance in this one. Now I look at next week and I see at Chargers and the San Diego Padres got six in the sixth inning to beat the Boston Red Sox six to nothing in that game. The Chargers aren't exactly setting the world on fire right now. And the Lions are beatable. The Lions are beatable. Their defense is playing terribly. I said if you come out of this thing two and one, you're still in pretty good shape. The problem is, just like the beginning of the season, starting one and five, you've already dug yourself a hole. There's no room for error anymore. And Miguel, I'm not sure that Broncos were off track. Were they getting a little overconfident? Maybe. Again, what's the excuse for the slow start? You know, the other teams just at home, the energy, it's etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But again, uh next week. I mean, six to zero, y'all. Come on. What do you think the Dallas Cowboys fans are saying about Kellen Moore right now and that's that, that L.A. Chargers offense? Naj says, I get it. Coming in with a super chat again. He says, I get fans are disappointed and frustrated with Russ, but throughout the game on third down, the O-line struggled with pass protection. What was it? 0 for 11 on third down? My God. What was the average to gain on that one? Probably eight plus yards and not converting on third down means you're losing first and second down. That's what it boils down to. Yep. After everything, we had a shot and came up short. Have to be proud of the team. Culture is changing. Culture has changed. This this is a different team. We spotted that against Chicago. And I really spotted that when you lost the lead against the Green Bay Packers after you had started one and was that one and five? That was one and five because that was a yeah. start of, of yep. that was the start the of the streak. You were yep. one and five, lost the lead at halftime again and came back and won that game this team has changed the culture has changed Naj. that's an excellent point <clears throat> pardon me because anytime the uh anytime sean payton has been asked about the broncos um lackluster third down production at times now they have had some games during this winning streak where it was actually quite good in the 60 percentiles but when he's, he's been asked about it, he says, look, you know, and Russ even has said this, uh, the, the answer to our third down woes is being more productive on uh, first and second down. And today, I mean, that Houston Texans defense, they came to play, dude. Like you, it was a playoff-like atmosphere and the intensity side of things was obvious on both sides, but it seemed to help the Texans more than it did the Broncos. In other words, they were the Texans both offensively and defensively able to channel that intensity in a productive way. Whereas Broncos are making their defensive lapses. They're flying around. They're being physical. They were making the Texans uh, battle for, for what they got. The offense couldn't get anything going. Um, and that intensity, man, it, 
it's nice to see the Broncos being playoff relevant in December, but it's also for a lot of these guys who've never even come close to sniffing the playoffs. It is new and they have to learn how to manage this, which is why Scott, it's going to be, I'm going to echo something I said earlier. Interesting to see how Peyton prepares these guys coming out of this loss. You know, I think maybe this is going to sound cliche or like low hanging fruit, but I think some of the guys, Alex Singleton comes to mind right off the bat, started believing some of the press clippings over the last five weeks and it got to him today. They were in some sense, it felt like resting on laurels. Lawrence, bro, he says, if we had better receivers, Russ scores at least two times in the beginning with deep passes. I have a hard time, Scott, I'm going to serve it right back to you. I have a hard time castigating this uh, receiving core when the the vertical passing game, I mean, anything beyond, say, eight yards of the line of scrimmage is so disjointed and out of sync from the beginning of this season. How do you expect these guys to even get into any kind of a rhythm and whatnot? Like it's, it's a pickle that Sean Payton has to try and solve on the fly. And it's not easy to do because each game, each week, these games count. Yeah. And, and each time it's different. You're, you're facing a different type of defense every time. So it's hard to just say, okay, if, if I've got one constant, I know what I need to change. But I've got multiple variables here, the defense I'm facing and what I do. So you got to control what you can control, getting better protection. And again, for me, it starts with the, the running game. This, this team was built to run the ball. They didn't run the ball very effectively today. Now, Nick will have all the numbers for us on EPA, EVOA, DVOA, DWI guys, and all that kind of stuff at the end of for tomorrow to say. But I my seat of the pants analytics tells me the Denver Broncos weren't very good running the ball today. I, oh. I don't I don't need I don't need that uh you know, that alphabet soup to tell me that. And that's going to put you obvious and it's going to give you trouble. Uh, and now when Patriot Tech's coming back, he says, Scott, I wasn't knocking Stroud at all, but Russ ain't it. And we all know it. What would it take to get Michael, P Michael Penix of Washington in the draft? You don't have a second rounder right now. And I think that's where he might go. Uh, he's got some injury questions on there. So you might have to package something together to move up in the second. If you want to get Michael Penix and let him go. Um, I really like him. I really do. He's an older guy. So what? If he's it, he's it. You know, well, I just traded, you know, five picks and three players for a 34-year-old quarterback. You think I can't draft a 25-year-old guy? Come on now. You know, so I don't mind that. And he's he's pretty darn good. And I think, I think there's going to be some good quarterbacks available on day two in this draft. Look, I don't agree with you, Patriot Tex. I love you. You know this, but... I don't like uh, saying we all see it and we all know it. No. Now, look, I'm not going to tell you that the vintage Russ, that Russ is, is returning to, or even this five-game winning streak up until today. Oh, he it's vintage Russ. He's back. He is back in a sense. But at his age, that vintage Russ, you're going to get it in flashes. I think a big part, Scott, of why this passing offense continues to be disjointed and kind of failing to, to launch is – their pass protection, their schemes, in combined with Russell Wilson's kind of penchant for holding on to it too long and not trusting things, it's just a bad combination. And that's another obstacle that, that Peyton has to overcome. But I still credit Russ. I'm telling you right now, the Broncos don't win those five games. As bad as the offense was at times and some of these ugly starts or periods where they're not doing much in those games, you don't win those five games without Russell Wilson playing Pro Bowl caliber ball when the chips are down. And that's the mark of great quarterbacks. I'm sorry. I know the mood right now is to not give Russ any credit, but that's that's the bottom line is the great quarterbacks, 
They save their best play for when the chips are down. And Russ even did that today. All it took is that razor's edge, Scott, the fine margins of the NFL. One bad decision in that uh, critical pressure cooker, and that was the game, especially with – Well, and we all talk about biases. People say, oh, this is an unbiased take. There's no such thing. There's no such thing as being unbiased. Bias is what makes up our personalities. Russell Wilson was was obtained through a massive trade. That trade is one-sided. It's it's You gave up too much to get him. That biases me how I think about how he's playing now. He was awful last year. I'm not saying he's awful, but he was awful last year. That biases me knowing I'm this. He's got a massive contract extension that he probably will never be worth, so to speak. One, two, three. That I'm biased against Russell Wilson, period. He's not. He wasn't worth what we paid for him. Uh, he was terrible last year, and he's not worth what we are paying for him now. That doesn't mean he's playing poorly every time he goes out there. So, again, he's he's got three strikes against him before he ever, he ever steps on the field. He's played some pretty good football this year. He's played to me in the point where I think you have more options with him that you don't necessarily have to jettison him, take a huge cap hut, or bench him with a $50 million cap hit next year where you can ride Russell Wilson's contract out until you have some more flexibility. But we'll see. It's going to be a hell of an offseason. Mike Edel comes in. Can I say something real quick, Scott? Absolutely. And it might Mike, be, right back to you. It might be something where, I mean, hell might freeze over because it doesn't happen often. But we know John Elway did this uh, on the back nine of his career, taking less money, uh, restructuring his deal to earn less money so that, the Broncos had the means to go out and sign some of the key players that ended up helping them winning those back-to-back. Neil Smith comes to mind, but he's not the only one. It will be interesting, Scott, to see if, because as it stands, the Broncos are projected to be over the cap in 2024. They're going to have to make some pruning, some pairing, some cuts, some this. It, some nips and tucks are coming, but it will be interesting to see if Russ might be willing to say, all right, look, you know, it's a different time, a different place uh, since we signed that extension. Let, I'm here to help move things around because I don't want to be the albatross weighing the team down financially. Even if he was playing at an elite, elite level, you need some wiggle room to go hire and, and sign help. Yeah, and how, how far do you want to kick his contract down the road? That's the problem. You know, you can you can lord Aaron Rodgers. for He gave money back. No, he didn't. He didn't give us a penny back. His his salary cap hit is actually less than Zach Wilson's this year. It's 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 like eight or nine million dollars, which is what Russ's was last year. It was pretty low, maybe in the ten. I'm I'm off by maybe a, a dollar here or there. They're paying on Aaron Rodgers' contract two years after he's out of the league, you know, and that's when it hurts. Like, wait a minute, uh, why doesn't he restructure? Why don't he take more money? Okay, you can kick that down the road, and then you're really going to be pissed when he's got a fifteen million dollar contract when he's 39 or dead cap hit when he's 39 and 40 years old because he did restructure and kick that down the road. Are you in that window where it matters? Do you eat it now? All those questions. I think he's playing good enough that, you know, what do you do with them? Zach's just about here. So I want to hit on Ken and then I'm going to hop. We owe Mike. You guys get Mike when I come back because Ken and Huntington Beach so stop knocking Huntington Beach, Chad. I'm confused on what to do with Russ after this year. I love Huntington Beach. What are you talking about, dude? Number all, one, all my, little, all my little quips about Huntington Beach are said with love. I love Huntington Beach. I love and Huntington two of my Beach. favorite bands are from Huntington Beach. What are you talking about, dog? 
<laughs> oh, no, because I say I hate surfing in HB. That's a song, Ken. That's a song. I hate surfing in HB. So anyway, go ahead, yeah. Scott. He says, stop knocking Huntington Beach in the song. Come on, man. I'm confused on what to do with Russ after this year. Number one or two pick, you know, do you get Michael Penix and bring him in? And, and then what? Huge penalty if he's not on the roster. If he's on the roster after March 5th, what to do? The problem is there's even a bigger penalty if he's not on the roster. You don't have any flexibility with Russell Wilson's contract until after 2025. You don't have any. So you are tied to Russell Wilson, whether he is on the team or not, for two more seasons, for two more years, and then you start having flexibility. The question's always been, am I better off mothballing him and starting over with a rookie quarterback or a different quarterback? Am I better off mothballing him and sitting him down while I take next year still isn't that horrible. His cap hit this year is only $22 million, y'all. His cap hit next year is only 35. I say only. His 2025 cap hit jumps to 55, but his dead cap hit's still 50. So you're still tied to him. Yeah. What do you do? That's the $60 million question that's going to happen this offseason. Because once you commit to him for next year, you commit to him for the next two years. If you decide to jettison Russell Wilson, you're kissing the next two seasons away goodbye anyway, because a third of your salary cap money is going to be gone. You can't replace him. On yeah. that note, I'm going to hop out of here. Thanks for having Thank me, you, y'all. Brother. Here comes Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he's as, he's as handsome as Zach Wilson. Exactly. Um, exactly. Let me get out of here before I stick. Thanks, my foot Scott. Back Appreciate you, bro. I was like, how do I follow that, Scott? Zach Wilson. Uh, I mean, at least at least call me Tim Boyle. Introduce me that way. No, I appreciate you so much, Scott, for filling in and. uh I guess we're talking about the gut reaction, Chad. Yeah, we're we're going to react, and and Mike's been a very patient boy. But yeah. Mike, keep it on, keep it on on screen, Scott. Real quick, give you your opportunity for your gut reaction to what happened here, and then we'll take care of Mike, who's been real patient. My gut, re- I mean, I was hearing about uh, some of the stuff you were talking about. What do you do with Russell Wilson now? And it, it becomes the dilemma again because he showed at least in this game. I'll own up to it. I'm getting killed on Twitter because on Thursday night chat, I made a tweet that I said Russell Wilson would have won that Seahawks game that Geno Smith couldn't. And I understand everyone's coming out of the woodwork now to clown me. It is deserved because Russell Wilson, you could argue, did lose this game three interceptions, three turnovers is not how you win. It's not how the Broncos have been winning. And we were worried, Chad, that they could revert back to what we saw before the winning streak in that Jets game against Hackett. That's what the offense looked like today. It was not even close to what we've seen over the last month. And you have to wonder, was that a flash in the pan? Was that an outlier? And is this Russ now closer to what the the mean is? Mike, thank you, buddy. He says, good evening, Chad. And Scott, this whole team was funk. Uh, this whole game was funky. I absolutely hate what the NFL is turning into. Stroud lunges at Singleton, contacts his face, and it's roughing. Keep the faith, Broncos country. We are a work in progress. Uh, that part I get. I think Stroud's reaction, Mike, did. Like, if Stroud doesn't react the way he did to, to Alex Singleton kind of disregarding the whistle, not to say he fully did because it's not like he – clocked him and tackled him to the ground but he did even when he heard the wh- the whistle he still went sidling right up into him and bonked him with his head it wasn't a big hit or anything but bonked and stroud said no and battled back but because of the reaction yeah they're, they're like i guess we're gonna get to go ahead and throw out the flag because the quarterback you know da, da, da. uh i get it but it's still inexcusable for singleton he's got to be smarter than that that 
He, he does, and it's it, we've made this analogy a lot where it's like, okay, there's two people speeding down a road and there's one cop monitoring. The cop is not always going to get the first uh, uh, person who, who commits the infraction. It's whoever he sees. And unfortunately, the NFL, at least in this instance, is about reputation, and the Broncos' reputation is in tatters with Kareem Jackson and Baron Brown and what went on last week, you know, right or wrong. That's what it is. And the reputation that CJ Stroud has is the young NFL golden boy, the, you know, rookie of the year, generational talent. He is always going to get that call. It's always going to go toward a quarterback, but I think it's more context to add to the conversation that for one reason or another, whether it's Sean Payton, Bounty Gate, I don't know. It seems like the zebras are just laser eye focused on the Broncos with whatever they do. And they are not afraid to uh, pull that flag. Addison, thank you for the super sticker. My friend means a lot to us. Lawrence, uh, let us know how it goes with the interview. Thank you for the stars, my friend. Uh, the lady D jumping in from the top rope. Really, really appreciate thank you. Deanna. Deanna. Uh, you mean, you mean the world to us helping us keep the lights on. You really are. She says super disappointed, but overall, I feel the Broncos should have won. Can't win with turnovers. The offensive line needed to do better in pass protection. That's for dang sure. I'm looking uh, to next week. Go Broncos. MHH for life. Bridge the gap. Thank you. And Buckham. Yeah, look, life goes on. This too shall pass. Zach, I'm going to give you uh, just a quick uh, rundown of the, the updated AFC playoff picture. But yeah. as it stands, the Dolphins are the one seed at nine and three. The Ravens are the two seed at nine and three. The Chiefs, who haven't played yet this week, they're playing uh, uh, tonight. Uh, they are the three seed at uh, eight and three. The Jags, first in the AFC South, are the four seed at eight and three. Uh, then you have the Steelers. Here's the two wild cards: Steelers, who inexplicably just lost to the Cardinals today, uh, at seven and four, and the Browns at uh, the sixth seed at seven and four. And then the Texans just vaulted into the seventh seed. So if the playoffs started next week, that would be your AFC representation. On the bubble, the top two teams are the Colts at six and five and the Broncos at six and six. So one thing that's, uh, you know, at least semi uh, encouraging about the way it's shaken out right now relative to the wild card hunt here, Zach, is, one of the teams that currently is above the Broncos are the Browns, but they are literally two wins ahead of the Broncos. So if the Browns, and I do think that they're not going to finish this season quite as strongly as they, as they started, if they take even a step back or two, get down to it, math, if, as long as the Broncos, this is just a speed bump and they get back on the horse, the season's not over. It's not over, and uh, as Scott was saying here, I, I'm I'm pretty sure I heard that too. The Colts are seven and five now. They've actually leapfrogged the Texans for the last. I'm pretty sure the last playoff spot in the AFC. Regardless, though, this oh, let me refresh. Sorry, go this, ahead. This pushes the Broncos down the total right. pole. Uh, even further. And that's why I was saying, we were saying all week, Chad, leading up to this game, it pretty much was a playoff game in Houston. If you want to make the postseason, winning this would have gone a long way. Losing it kind of puts you further behind. You're right. I mean, if they went out and get some help, they can still sneak into the wild card round. The unfortunate part now with this loss, Chad, they don't really control their own destiny anymore. They had an opportunity where they won this game. You can pretty much, um, you know, pay, create your own path to the postseason. The Broncos don't have that luxury any longer, unfortunately. Yeah, my bad on that. I didn't refresh. Uh, I pulled it up like literally the beginning of the show and then didn't refresh. So yeah, 
look at the swap here. So the Colts now the seventh seed at seven and five. Texans, Broncos. So the Broncos are still most firmly entrenched on the bubble with still plenty of football left to be played. So don't everybody go losing heart quite yet. Patriot Tex again. Thank you, buddy. Uh, he says, I love you too, Chad, but we need a younger quarterback whose skills are not diminishing. If we can get a younger, more athletic cue in the draft, we need to do it. Russ has been good this year, but not great. Look, I don't disagree with you on, on that part. Russ, like from a macro perspective, Russ has been good, not great this year. But he has been great at certain points, which has led to win. So it's like, well, how do you define good? How do you define great? Uh, that's a conversation for another time. Zach, I am not against the Broncos using some draft capital to take a quarterback, a young guy, to groom behind Russ in the Sean Payton scheme. I would be much more excited about that than the idea of throwing a few million bucks at Jarrett uh, Stidham to come just stand and hold a clipboard. But, you know, because of Scott did a good job elucidating the finer details of the financial decision the Broncos face relative to Russ uh, in the next, uh, you know, three, four months. Really, it is no decision. They really don't have a choice but to stick by Russ. Uh, but it would behoove them, I think, Zach, and I agree with Tex on this front, to start grooming someone behind him. Something. Even if it's not – and I'm not saying a first-round pick because with Russ, you're trying to compete. You're expecting to be able to compete for playoffs. You're going to need that first-round pick to help Russ compete. A second-round pick, like uh, Penix, if he does drop to the yep. second round, hey, use a second-round pick on him. I am in complete agreement with all of you about this point. I mean, I was even in favor of the Broncos taking a quarterback in this past draft, even though we all were high on what Russell Wilson and Sean Payton could be. If anything, Chad, today's game kind of showed what the Broncos have now and what the Broncos need in the future. And it's not easy to get a CJ Stroud, but you got to have uh, younger blood, more exciting, more dynamic blood in that room, not just Jarrett Stidham and Ben DiNucci. That's not going to cut it. That's not going to sell tickets. And that's not going to prepare you for life after Russ, which you might be stuck with them next year, but you're going to have to start planning for that now because it's not getting, um, he's not getting any younger, I shall say. Troy, good to see you, my friend. Thank you for the super chat on this gut reaction. He says, hey, guys, not going to overreact. We are relevant. We are fun to watch. So much better than the last few years. Yeah, Zach, again, like this is this is another one of those games. I think it's the third game this season where I started feeling a little bit of my adrenaline spiking when mm -hmm. we got to the yeah. final possession the Broncos had. Uh, and it, it's fun, man. That's, you know, the, the cool thing about it is that's what got us all into, into being fans in the first place is that feeling of, uh, you know, something at stake, the, the competitive uh, pursuit and all that. And especially when you come out on top in those situations, as the Broncos had been doing for five straight games, uh, today wasn't their day. Uh, but it was nice to, to have that feeling. Alonzo, good to see you, my friend. Thank you for the super. He says, Russ had a bad game and the loss hurts, but I think we needed the reality check. We will take our frustration uh, out on uh, the Chargers next week. Yes, indeed. Um, Zach, this was something that I queried with Scott. It was more of a uh, just throwing it out there type of thing, but I am going to be curious to see, you know, if how this loss affects this this mojo the Broncos have had, yeah. because even though it was kind of ugly offensively and they kind of threw away the game, um, thank you Russ, etc., they were still in it down to the bitter end. The defense played much better in the second half than it did the first. You could tell this is a, still a highly engaged 
buying into whatever Peyton's selling team. But then you have suffer a setback, and it's an actual loss in the standings. That's that's that streak comes to an end. The clippings and the headlines start changing a little bit. Do they hop right back on the horse? What do you think? Or is it going to affect them more? Like, oh man, we turns out we are that one and five team. We're not the five and zero team. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I always said you learn more in adversity than you do in in good and successful times. I mean, after five games they won in a row, we pretty much knew what the Broncos were made of or how the Broncos' mindset is now. But I think we're going to learn as we get uh, Adrian's comment here. We're going to learn, Chad, after a tough loss like this, how they respond next week. That'll tell us a lot about the 2023 Broncos. By the way, guys, we're at about 48 minutes, and it sucks because we're just getting Zach on the horn here, but we do got to get going in the next 15 minutes or so. So any burning topics, questions, supers, get them in the chat. We will get to them before we dip. Uh, Andriano X90, thank you for the super chat. Uh, it says, I'm going to be frank when I say uh, when I say this. We must sweep the Chargers and beat the Raiders away. And honestly, I feel like we're asking for a lot now after today. So in other words, he's saying this is these are two games that we got to win. And now I feel like it's, asking a lot to expect the Broncos act to go in and beat the chargers and the, and the Raiders. Yeah, was it, I, I get the sentiment. I mean, it wasn't asking or it was asking a lot for the Broncos to beat Kansas city and then that streak, and then to follow it up with Buffalo and Minnesota and Cleveland. It's not going to be easy. Divisional games never are. And I, and maybe these teams kind of spotted the, the, uh, the crack in the Broncos armor, but it's definitely doable if, and like you were talking about Chad, if, this wasn't a fluke, the five-game winning streak, and they can go back to playing how they played turnover free ball, you know, more efficient football against those teams. And for what it's worth, I don't think it was a fluke. And the reason I don't think it was a fluke is because of what I know and what we know resume-wise about Sean Payton. This is more par for the course than it was a fluke. Um, and that take that I just espoused at 314 in God's country time on Sunday the 3rd will be put to the test uh, next week. So we shall see. I'll be accountable to that. Raj, nice to see you. Thank you for the support on Facebook. Gentlemen, do you think the play calling at the end was correct? Do you go straight to the end zone with 23 seconds left and at the six yard line? I know we had no timeouts. You know, we touched on this a little bit at the opening of the show, Scott and I, Zach, but some others were lamenting why no running in the red zone when mm -hmm. you got down there at the end. Well, obviously you didn't have time and Pretty soon you were out of timeouts. And here's the kicker. This is the what puts that whole question over the top is Sean Payton has been lamenting for weeks now the Broncos' inability to, to run the ball in the red zone. Not just we're not doing it. They have been doing it. Not on that possession. They have been doing it to no avail. And so it didn't surprise me at all to see him running the, the type of sets and plays that they did. And I don't think it was incorrect for them to push for the end zone, especially – that late uh i just think in that particular that that play zach the final dagger for russell wilson it just was the wrong decision like yeah. just throw it away and live to fight one more down i wasn't wild about the play calling today i saw a comment uh, a few minutes ago that i agree with i don't think that mclaughlin was used correctly and that's been kind of a sticking point even during the winning streak chat about sean payton's play calling he kind of galaxy brains himself sometimes or outsmarts himself and as good as he is I'm not knocking him i just it's not been perfect in my you know estimation but you talk about running the football javante he was the leading rusher for the broncos he had 46 yards on 13 carries they averaged 3.9 yards as a team running the 
the football, you probably weren't going to be successful even if you tried there. And I, I wasn't around for the conversation, but I saw S Scott shaking his head about, yes, you have to throw. You do. You have no other option. It's got to be either near the goal line or in the end zone to have, like, give yourself a shot at winning. Uh, yes, it surprises me to read what I'm about to read to you guys, but to just put a punctuation uh, point here on what Zach just said, the Broncos did finish with 118 rush yards today. Like if you would ask me without trying to keep score while the game's going on or remembering any little, you know, uh, uh, numbers that the broadcast throws up graphics, sorry. I would have guessed they probably would have been somewhere around where the Texans finished, which the Texans finished with 89 yards rushing today, Zach. I would have guessed the Broncos were somewhere around there, but they finished with 118. Um, so that side of things was, you know, and only 3.9 yards, as you mentioned, per rush on 30 attempts. It's a slight downgrade from how productive they were last week against the Browns, averaging 4.3 yards in that tilt but you take that point you know four tenths of a point and add it over 30 attempts and it does add up to a, a first down and a half maybe for to cup maybe two Antoine thank you for your patience he says second half we played way better still aggravated but how slow play calls come in and just not opening up the offense you know it's so ironic Zach this this kind of triggered something for me here you know we were talking on Thursday about we need to see better production in the in the third quarter and the and the fourth quarter and whatnot yeah. Because, you know, that in conjunction with how well Broncos offensively are opening games, which that is one thing you have you couldn't take away from Russ and the offenses. They've done well this season to score in the first quarter. All right. And start setting the tone when they score first. They haven't lost a game. Uh, then to see them today, Zach, not do Jack squat till the third quarter it was like there's those flares of inconsistencies. And so it's like, what do you attribute them to? And this was something Scott and I were touching on earlier before you jumped in. And I want to get your take on this. The big thing for me is an offensive line that still struggles so badly to protect. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Specifically at right tackle. And I kind of felt like we were whistling past the graveyard a little bit over that five-game win streak relative to uh, Mike McGlinchey. But today, those warts came out uh, in glaring living color. And he was brutalized by Will Anderson, and so it's hard to really get a rhythm going in that when when you you can't trust your dropbacks. I mean, today's Zach, how often was Russ hitting his back foot and immediately having yeah. to drop his eyes and start trying to get out of the pocket? So, you know, it's a it's a tough situation. It's imperfect. The all the O line, I think overall, Zach has taken a big step forward from the units of the last couple of years, but. Still not quite a, a, a unit that I would say is firing on all cylinders, obviously. A thousand percent, word for word, I agree. You know, during that five-game winning streak, we complimented every Broncos offensive lineman pretty much except Mike McGlinchey for a reason because he's still the big uh, issue there. And, and Russ, you know, as much as blame is on him, which there is a lot, the offensive line, when it breaks down, he breaks down. And they, they need to be more of a perfect coalition. But I also said coming into this game all week, the Broncos defense has gotten by on creating turnovers and generating chaos. And I said, what's going to happen when an opponent doesn't give the ball away? When you don't have those bounces going in your favor, can they prove they're going to, can they win a ball game still? And they fell short today. So they still have a lot to clean up on both sides. And maybe the one admission I'll make, the one concession I'll make, maybe they're not as close to a, a postseason team as they appeared. They're not that far either, but they definitely have some issues on both sides. 
No doubt. The Epic Gamer with a couple jumping in. Really appreciate you. So Singleton screwed us with that penalty at the beginning. He did. Uh, and uh, Mike said, yes, I agree. It was a boneheaded move by Singleton. I, with Zach, we are being singled out as dirty. Maybe. That may be true, but it doesn't. Again, I don't think that the flag was would have been thrown for what it's worth. I don't think they would have thrown the flag. And I bet if you go back and, and watch, like once we get the all 22, I'd be willing to bet you there wasn't a flag thrown until the little scrum. In other words, until CJ Stroud decided to make it an, an issue and he bowed up and kind of, you know, they got in their, each other's faces and a little bit of pushing. Anytime that happens and involves the quarterback, you know, it's like, Hey, well, I didn't start it. Like Scott mentioned earlier, you know, when you're a kid, well, in this case, the refs just see that the defender was, going a little hard after the whistle. So that's where the laundry is going to fall. Deanna, the lady D from the top, top tippity top rope. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Deanna. Love you so much. She says, we will win next week. I believe in our team. Go Broncos, MHH for life. A very, very encouraging, optimistic message here, Zach, as we near the end of this gut reaction. Thank you so much, Deanna. You and uh, everybody else are always such bright spots, literally in this case and figuratively in most other cases, uh, even in a tough loss. Um, you know, about Singleton real quick though, Chad, to put my little two cents or my little yes. bow on it. You know, I don't want to exonerate Singleton either. I mean, I do think the NFL has some sort of target or definitely a fixed eye on what the Broncos are doing, but the coaches now have to tell the players, listen, we're in a position where any little minor thing you do is going to get flagged. So don't even put yourself in that position at all where they can flag you. I think that's where I blame the coaches. And even with Kareem Jackson, he came back from suspension shed. And then, you know, me, you and Scott had this great debate. He launched again with his arms like he was in a, a coffin right at into a defender. So it's on the coaching staff to nip it in the bud and tell these players it might not be right. It sucks. It's unfair. It is what it is but they're going to be looking at you and you have to have your head on a swivel indeed indeed um naj my brother uh this is our last super chat guys and then we're going to dip out for to uh for today naj love you so much appreciate you jumping in again he says Thank there's you. a lot of season left and we'll be playing desperate teams the broncos are playing with confidence and the fans gotta stay positive VJ with some great blitzes. Coop got to jump on that ball. It was a turning point moment. The fact that he wasn't able to land on McMillan's uh, strip one game at a time, brothers. Excellent. Excellent message. I think Zach to kind of punctuate today's live stream. Yeah, Anaj is always the, the 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 bastion of positivity when we need it most. And you're right, there are some good takeaways from this game. It was a tough, uh, bittersweet result. Obviously, it ends the Broncos' winning streak, but they went toe-to-toe -to -toe with the hottest teams in the NFL over this six-game stretch. They beat five of them, and they came close to beating a six. They're not that far off, and there's still some football left to be played this year. If they can clean it up a little more and get back on that winning way, who's to say they can't sneak in somehow? That's right, guys. Thank you so much. Um, it's It sucks that we only got Zach for about 20 minutes today, but we will make it up to you tomorrow. Believe that. few technical difficulties today, but I'm glad, Zach, you were able to get it figured out. Uh, don't leave quite yet, guys. We have uh, – and Anthony, we love you too, by the way, real quick. I, I missed this one earlier. Appreciate you, Thank Anthony. You. Uh, we got a few messages. Don't dip quite yet. 
It was another amazing installment, I'm sure, with Scott sitting in for me, and I appreciate that again, Scott, uh, of the Mile High Huddle podcast. If you're not doing so, follow us on X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it, at the MHH pod. You can follow the main account at Mile High Huddle, Chad at Chad and Jensen, myself at Kelberman NFL, and Scott, our producer slash third co-host at Scout Kennedy. If you guys want some merch like we're always rocking each and every podcast, check out MHHmerch.com and get you some. If you haven't, drop us a like at Facebook.com slash mile high huddle pod it always means a lot and also if you want to find us on instagram you can find us at mile underscore high underscore huddle if you haven't as well please guys and gals make sure on apple Podcasts you're leaving your football priest a five star review for a chance to win some of that merch each and every single month but if anything please y'all please 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 subscribe like and share this video and every video you see on the mhh channel it really helps us grow and reach more broncos fans just like you Shout out to these great Super Chat superstars and supporters today. Much love and respect to Chris Hernandez, Riptide, Naj, Anthony, Casey Nickel, Miguel, Mike Edel, Addison, Patriot Text, Troy, The Lady D, uh, Alonzo, A uh, Andriano, X90. Uh, and on Facebook, much love and respect. Let's see if they're going to let me look at it while we're live. Good. They are this time. Lawrence Rivera, Phil down in Tucson, George Fox, Claude Riley, and Raj. Much love and respect. Guys, we will see you tomorrow night. Zach and I for the aftermath. Again, lots of football left to be played, so everybody you know, work the work your hormones out uh, along with us today. It's going to you know get this out of your system. This too shall pass. We'll be back tomorrow night for the aftermath, and don't forget you got some Broncos for breakfast tomorrow morning on the break. Chin up, Broncos country. Have a great rest of your Sunday. We'll see you tomorrow night. Take care, and as always, go Broncos. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.